A Gay and a Non-Gay is a podcast from James Barr and Dan Hudson. They're like a lovely little couple, except they're not. It's Lesbian Visibility Week and we've talked about lesbians loads on the podcast. They are some of the most powerful humans and we've got, I don't want to spoil it, to be honest. So the person joining us this week may or may not be a lesbian. You'll just have to listen to find out. But let me tell you, <laughs> this episode is full of left turns, right turns, curveballs. You might be listening to this and think halfway through, you know the story, but you definitely don't. You need to just keep listening. We just want to say a massive thank you to Mermaids for hooking us up with this person. I wasn't aware of this person or this story. This is probably one of the most inspirational, amazing, validating quiz stories i've ever heard in my life and i hope you get so much out of this episode let's do it welcome to a gay and a non-gay thought we'd start by going all the way back to 2014 to february yeah that was uh that was that was a day that a lot of things changed in canada i don't know if you have this where you are but in canada we have um something called pink shirt day essentially people will wear pink shirts to school or work out in the community and it's really sort of an initiative to get people to stand up against bullying in particular homophobia and transphobia so i took two of our three kids at the time out to get pink shirts and our little one Jackson who was seven at the time he was getting really annoyed he was like I don't understand why I can't find pink in the boys section it doesn't make any sense it's one of my favorite colors it's a great color and I was like you know buddy you're right I don't understand either it doesn't make any sense so we were sort of going you know through this whole you should be able to wear what you want and be who you are and be proud of that and never be ashamed and we eventually found pink shirts and we went home and I felt like a really, really good mom to Jackson that night. And a few hours later, I found out that who really needed that conversation even more was our middle child. And uh, we got an email from the bedroom across the hall. It said, please don't be mad. Please try to understand I am a girl trapped in a boy's body. And more than anything, I need to be a girl. What were your first thoughts when when you got this email? I had no idea what to do. I mean, there was one thing that was really, really clear. And that was that our child had just told us something really big, really important, really scary to her, and that uh, we needed to be there. I didn't know anything about trans children. I didn't know anything about trans people. Um, I always had a level of empathy for um, the few trans stories I had heard. But I mean, I was one of those people who grew up at a time when um, if there was any trans representation in the media, it was usually in a mocking or derogatory way. And so that's what I grew up yeah. watching. I think a lot of us did. And all of a sudden I have a child who is essentially saying I'm transgender. So while I had to do a lot of learning, I also had to do a lot of unlearning. But in that moment, in that exact moment, I just had to go in there. So my partner and I went in and we got in one on each side of her. She was sobbing, curled up in her sheets, shaking. I had never seen any child look so afraid before. And we just got in one on each side and wrapped our arms around our kid and just said, we love you. We love you. We don't care who you are. We just want you to be you. And we've got you and we're going 
going to figure this out together. Wow, that's such a beautiful reaction. I feel like I'm there and I want to, like, I already know this interview is going to make me cry at some point. (laughs) (laughs) When you were saying about unlearning, I have actually not watched Friends, but I am familiar with the episode about Chandler's dad. And in a way, I imagine it's quite hurtful to see something like that or have to unlearn something like that because it didn't teach us what it should have done. The media kind of failed us a bit. Yeah, I think there's a lot of that. I remember even, you know, things like Silence of the Lambs. I mean, if you want to go dark, right? (laughs) You know, that was was a whole new level of, you know, anyone who thinks outside of the gender norm is is evil. And I think like that, you know, you sort of have a, um, a lesser version of that on Friends, but also something that people had come to really watch. And I can't imagine being a trans person at that time what what is that showing millions of people how to treat trans people in their lives like it just wasn't safe for a really long time do you think you picked up some misconceptions are there things that you thought about trans people that now you would never think but you did then before this all happened to you absolutely yeah i i really thought first of all i didn't think that trans kids could be a thing i felt like if a child was telling you that they were trans or using language, you know, along those lines that they were just confused. And and I, I still see a lot of this online today, right? This idea that, that children just need to know that it's okay, that if you're a little boy who wants to wear dresses, that you can just wear dresses, which of course is true, but that's not what being trans is. That was my idea of what being trans was. I also think that, you know, I had this idea of it being some kind of a fetish for a lot of people. Um, I had some really, really bad misconceptions, um, transphobic misconceptions, truly. And while I would never go so far as to mistreat a trans person, you know, I, I considered myself really open-minded, but I had, as I would call it, limits. And that would have been a limit for me. Um, having a child come out as trans, I had to un learn those things and confront them and confront that ugly side of me and own it. And I felt terrible about letting myself believe that for such a long time. If it weren't for that unconditional love of it being my child and knowing that I would do anything for this kid, I don't know if I would have gotten there. Why do you think some parents go a different direction to the one that you've gone in? I think a lot of it is fear-based. I really do. Um, I mean, a lot of it is 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 fear of the unknown. We get really afraid of, of not knowing what our child is going through. And the other thing is sort of a self-centeredness, right? I think as humans, we, we are naturally self-centered. We see the world through our own eyes and our own experiences. So if you're a cisgender person like me and your child comes out as trans, you will probably never really understand what it's like to be trans. I I know I can't, but I err in the direction of, I may not know what it's like, but I'm able to look outside of myself and understand that my experience isn't the only experience. There are people who maybe aren't quite there. Um, I believe that a lot of people can get there, but I just think there are some people who just go, well, no, that, you know, I never had those thoughts when I was a kid. So, you know, my child is having those thoughts. Well, that's clearly just a confusion. Um, yeah, so I think there's a lot of that. And it also just depends on maybe your community, how you're raised. There's so many barriers to this. What did your parents teach you growing up? Who do you hang out with? What is your culture like? What is your um, circle of faith like? There's so many different elements to this. Education really is key to unlocking the door to be more understanding. Upon finding yourself in this situation, 
what's the next step? You make a to-do list, like number one, figure out what to do. <laughs> right. Well, th this is where it goes back to where, you know, um, who you know and who your circles are. So I was really, really fortunate to know a couple of people who are, um, you know, one is a sex educator, one is an LGBT social worker um, with, a, you know, a, a focus on, uh, on, on supporting trans people. I didn't know that at the time, but I knew that that's what she did for a living, um, that she, she worked with LGBT issues. So I got a hold of both of them on Facebook that night. I just sent them both messages. I was like, SOS, SOS, don't know what I'm doing here. And that was the key. I mean, they, they wrote back such important information. It was things like, take a breath. Everything's okay. You're not the first person or the first family or, and your child's not the first child to be in this situation. There are resources. Here are some of them in your area. And, you know, when you're comfortable, ask your child what pronouns you would like them to use. When you are comfortable and calm, have a conversation with your child. You know, if you need to lose it, go to another room and lose it. Just be that supportive rock that your kid really needs right now. And so that really helped set the tone for everything I did. So that was night one. After that, I, you know, uh, called one of, my, one of my best friends and uh, sort of unleashed my, all my fears on her, talked to my spouse some more. And then the next day I, I got on the phone. I just started working the phones, uh, you know, old school. And I just, <laughs> I started calling every organization that they gave me on that list. And I actually reached every single person I needed to reach inside of a day, which I, I now know they work really crazy schedules. And the fact that I got every single one of them on the phone was uh, nothing short of a miracle. But Every single one just said, it's going to be okay. I know right now it feels like your life has blown up. I know you're terrified for your child, but everything is going to be okay. You just got to let the dust settle. And they were right. And how was it for... Alexis after that. So she was quite fragile for a little while. And I mean, that's understandable. The The vulnerability that it takes and the energy it takes to be able to come out like that is, is it's nothing short of astounding, especially for an 11 year old, I think, to find that language. It's already such a tough time too. I mean, you know, 11, 12, 13 is a <laughs> terrible time for a lot of us. So, you know, when you have something extra going on, it's it's even harder. But we, we tried to get things settled at school for her and um, we got the school on board. There were a couple of hiccups, but overall the school really got behind her and did what they needed to do. She had a wonderful teacher and a teaching assistant as well in the classroom that was really there for her. Unfortunately, uh, this was before kids got a lot of education on trans issues. A lot's changed in the last few years, at least here in Canada, where kids are getting more education. But certainly at the time, most of her peers had no idea what she was going through. And so that resulted in everything from outright bullying and slurs all over her Instagram and, and all sorts of things to sort of the quiet, you know, friends who used to talk to her, no longer talking to her and, and walking away from her. And she felt so lonely. When I noticed that things were getting bad and, and when her, her teachers started to comment on it as well, we pulled her out of school. Uh, you are just so amazing like I want you to be everyone's mom and I hope <laughs> our listeners feel that too listening to you because you're so powerful brave and I mean you must know this about yourself do you hear these words said about you a lot do you feel do you relate um, to that I don't really relate to it I, I mean I do hear it and I appreciate it I mean really it's it's nice to hear some positive things because being as visible as we are that is not all we hear <laughs> but um, it was it was instinctive honestly I, I can't take any credit for this. It just really was this instinctive need to protect my child and to do what needed to be done to save her. 
And and part of that, I think, goes back to my own childhood. Um, in my book, I talk a lot about the bullying that I dealt with uh, growing up. And um, it was some of it was pretty horrendous. And a lot of it didn't even make the book because honestly, the whole book could have been about that. But I wanted to set the stage because I think I wanted people to understand that those horrible experiences that happen to us when we're younger, there are things that we can pull out of that wreckage. And and one of those things for me was just this empathy for a child who felt very alone and very different and very misunderstood. Because even though I'm not trans, I definitely understand what that feels like. And so it just was pure instinct to just go full force and and make the world as safe for her and as welcoming for her as I could. What was it like for your other children when Alexis came out? Um, the other kids were fantastic. So her older brother, Eric, just said, okay, well, you know what? That's that's great. I, I support you. I, I'm always here for you. I love you. It was very, very simple. And then her younger brother, Jackson, who's seriously such a firecracker. This kid is really something. He's 13 now. He was sitting there and he's like, all, all seven years old. He's like, huh. So let me get this straight. You're a girl, but everybody thinks you're a boy. And she said, yeah, that's about it. And he's like, okay, cool. I always wanted a sister anyway. <laughs> oh, so good. That was it. And then about two days later or something, they got in this big fight, of course, as they, they still do today. And he comes downstairs. He's like, and then she did this and Alexis did that. And I can't stand her. And in my heart, I'm just like, oh, he's using the right pronouns. <laughs> internalized it faster than anyone else like it was so funny kids we don't give them enough credit everyone's like oh kids are going to be confused that they learn about trans people that did not happen at all he just completely rolled with it a gay and a non-gay alexis came out in 2014 uh fast forward a couple of years no we don't like to do spoilers on this podcast but i think we've got to do a spoiler here (laughs) yeah so it's actually about 18 months afterwards so the dust had just settled (laughs) and um my my partner, uh, we were married 18 years at the time, and I would describe most of that time as me trying to cheer my better half up all the time um, because there was so much unhappiness, so much misery, um, and this little rain cloud all the time. I could never figure it out, and I just thought maybe it's maybe it's me. So one night we went out, and I was like, I'm going to get to the bottom of this. I said, you know, I really wish you could just tell me what's going on. Is it me? And the answer was, no, it's not you. I love you very much. Um, I said, okay, is it this life? Like, I mean, we got together really young. We were teenagers when we got together. So we, you know, at this point, you know, we're in our, you know, our forties and it's, it's been a while. And, and the answer was no, it's, it's, it's not the kids. I love the kids and I love our life. It's not that this predates you and the kids. And I was like, okay. So my, my next question, you know, because I felt like I needed to get the big stuff out of the way was, you know, are you gay? Uh, and the answer was no, which by the way, is technically a lie, <laughs> as you'll find out in a minute. <laughs> no supporters. <laughs> and, and I just didn't know what else. I just thought like, what else could make someone this miserable? And so I said, are you a woman? And I did not expect that that's what was going on. But the answer was just complete silence. Uh, for what felt like an eternity and probably wasn't that long, but wow, that was the longest few seconds of my life, followed by a very quiet, I can't talk about this. And I knew at that point. So that was the night I found out that there were two trans people in our family and that seeing our daughter 
come out and find herself and get accepted had really awakened something in my wife. And she too had been struggling with this her entire life. And when she was younger, um, you know, was was pushed so far into the closet out of fear, like a lot of trans people in her age group, and then found herself married and playing the role of husband and playing the role of father and never, ever felt that she could ever get out of that. And then one day one of her kids comes out and she's like, oh, maybe it's a different world, right? So yeah, but at the time it was, (laughs) you want to talk about bad reactions. Here I am a a mother of a trans person who has been supporting her fiercely from day one and, and trying hard not to make a lot of mistakes. And what is my reaction? Oh, you have got to be fucking kidding me. (laughs) It was again, it was so like, I didn't even think about it. It wasn't even like, this is wrong. Like it wasn't one of those. It was just sort of like, no way. There's no way this can happen twice in one family. But of course, imagine hearing that on the other side, you just come out to the person you love the most. And they're like, oh, you've got to be fucking kidding me. Worst reaction (laughs) you can imagine. I will never live that down. It was, it was terrible. That was a hard thing to write about in my book, but I really needed people to understand that love is imperfect and and that it's really just two people two imperfect people trying to make something work reading your book after after that bit I did think there's no way they're going to stay together after this. And, and and you allude to that very heavily in the book. But spoiler alert, <laughs> you did stay together. How did you find the strength, the, the both of you, to, to, to make this work? It was a really, really tough time for all of us. Not just us, but the kids. We made it to the other side and we are in a much better place. But it really took a lot of communication. It took a lot of understanding. I think that was really scary for me. It was it wasn't it wasn't about, you know, Zoe coming out and being Zoe. I was supportive of that. It was more how is she going to be treated by the world and how are our kids going to be treated and 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 you know, are we going to be safe in this neighborhood in this community with these neighbors who have been very nice to us up until now, but how are they going to handle this? Um how are the schools going to handle this? I mean, it was, you know, is she going to get fired? There are so many questions. I was so worried that I think was the hardest, the biggest strain on our family. And meanwhile, you know, she's going through the early stages of transition, which a lot of people will tell you is not an easy time on the trans person. We made it through, I think, because we really love each other. And because, you know, we wanted to, we really wanted it to work. And and also, I mean, I think I really need to, to say this. I mean, I'm married to a woman. And so my sexual orientation has to line up with that. And that's a very valid thing. Sometimes there are um, situations where someone transitions and it's like, you know, the people love each other very much, but it's just not going to work out. I mean, there's just, there's not an attraction there. That's a valid thing. And there's an amicable way to go about, I think, changing that relationship. But thankfully for us, that was not an issue. Dan's read the book, Amanda. I haven't yet read the book and I have loads of questions but I'm so scared to ask any of them in case I say something offensive or put my foot in it or go down the wrong path and I know there'll be people listening as well that are just like almost jaw on the floor at this story because it has so many twists and turns and we're not even done yet spoiler alert um but at this point what was first on your list when you found out about your wife 
Oh, yeah. First on my list, I mean, was I, I tried to find support online because I mean, I, I didn't know anyone going through this. What I found was a lot of support for the trans person, which is great. I mean, there were time, there was a time when finding support as a trans person was really hard. It's a little easier now, at least the trans community is more connected online. It was very hard to find anything for a partner. And uh, what I found were a lot of stories about people not making it. And that broke my heart. I just took care of myself, I think is what I did. So at the time I was seeing a counselor and I was doing uh, cognitive behavioral therapy for my anxiety. And I walked in kind of shell-shocked one morning and I said, okay, we need to put this aside for a minute because I have something to tell you. And um, yeah, she actually ended up giving me some some free sessions, which was amazing. Um, so that helped me, that gave me sort of a safe place to work through a lot of my feelings. Um, she had me explore a lot of my what if. Meanwhile, Zoe was trying to find services to support her in the community. And we really just tried to be there for each other and leave room for each other's feelings in the early days. That was, I think, the biggest thing. It was, it was you know, recognizing we're both human and, and we both, you know, have feelings. Yeah. Did you help Zoe choose her name at that point as well? Because that could be Yeah, I did. <laughs> How was that conversation? So um, we were, we were, we took a walk sort of early on and I was like, have you thought of any names? And she, she brought up a couple of names and I like vetoed them on the spot. I mean, jokingly, if she really wanted those names, clearly she could have, you know, uh, one of them was Michelle. And I said, no, What's wrong I have with a Michelle? very long history with <laughs> Michelle's. There was a Michelle that used to punch me in the face at school. Michelle, I lived okay. with a teenager and she used to steal all the cheese and I would buy cheese and she'd eat it all. Okay. Anyway, so she was like, and I said, it can't be an A name because like we have too many A names in our family. Um, you know, we have Alexis, we have Amanda, we have Eric, which is A-E-R-I-K. I'm like, poor Jackson, he'll be left out if you pick Alicia or something, right? She's like, well, what about, what about Zoe? And I was like, oh yeah, I like Zoe. Yeah, Zoe Michelle. And honest to God, that is her name now, Zoe Michelle. I swear she did it just to spite me. <laughs> I think she's trolling you, but that's so cute. <laughs> what a lovely story. When you were talking about your sexuality as well in your answer earlier, has your sexuality changed or has your sexuality always been the same? I am a lesbian and I have known my entire life, but that is not something that I ever wanted to explore. It was not something I ever wanted to deal with. The last thing that I wanted to do was, was follow that path because then it would just put me, I felt in a, in a situation where I would be, I would, I would be harassed my entire life. And so I, I, I think perhaps if we hadn't have had kids so young, we had our first child, I got pregnant at 19. And so at that point, I sort of felt like locked into, you know, this life with children and what I thought was a husband. I was unhappy too. And I was getting more unhappy as the years went on, even before all of this happened. And I knew, I knew for sure that I was a lesbian, but I was quiet about it. And I thought, well, maybe one day when our kids are grown up, I mean, we're not happy anyway, we'll break up. And and I, I had mentioned, you know, to a friend at one point, I would exclusively date women if, if I ever left my quote unquote husband. And that actually kind of scared me to say, when Zoe came out, the issue definitely wasn't going to be being married to a woman. It was more, you know, was she still going to be as miserable as, as she was? 
Uh, and she's definitely not. She's like a totally different person today. And so she's like the best version of herself in every single way. But that really unlocked these feelings in me. And I was able to, you know, be honest with her at one point. She knew, she, she's like, I, oh, I knew. I'm pretty sure. I was pretty sure. Amanda, this story has so many plot twists. We must have like 10,000 closets in our house. I, I swear. Your closet is enormous. <laughs> the closet is gigantic. I was already thinking that you were the Kardashians with the A names, but with the amount of closets you now have. <laughs> that's I'm right. Convinced. Yes, yes. That's right. The Canadian Kardashians. <laughs> but yeah, it was, I had so much shame around that, which was so funny. But for a little while, there was a part of me that felt like all these things had happened around me and to me. And I had to sort of own my role in things too, that, you know, um, I was also keeping something, um, you know, secret out of fear of, of how that would change my life. And that's no different in a lot of ways than, you know, my, my trans family members feeling like they needed to safeguard that part of themselves too. And so, we really all have become the best versions of ourselves. I'm so much happier to be out and proud and married to my wife and raising our kids. If Alexis hadn't come out, or if any of this other stuff had happened, would Zoe have come out? Would you have come out? Or can we basically pinpoint everything back to the email? Everything is a result of that email. Would we have eventually come out? Possibly. Um, you know, Zoe would tell you that she may not be here, though, if it hadn't have been for the ability to come out. Would everything have worked out as well as it had, even if we had all been able to come out? No, I don't think so. I think because my child came out first, that unconditional love that I have for her, it really, it really forced me to have to examine my own sort of, you know, ingrained transphobia that I had learned. I had to really become like learn what it means to be an ally and really be an ally and really stand up for her. And because I took the time to learn, because it was my child, when my spouse came out, I was able to forego the trans 101. I already knew all that. All I had to focus on was uh, my own feelings, her feelings, and our relationship and our children's feelings. So it took all of the the how to out of it. And it just, so we were just able to strictly focus on emotion. And if Zoe had come out first, I don't know if we'd still be together because I don't know if I would have been able to have that hard look at my own beliefs. And because Zoe came out and I was able to really see how much happier I was and how much more whole I felt being married to someone that, you know, now I knew was a woman. I was able to come out too and safely and happily and our marriage is is still intact. So really, you know, it's it, the whole thing was, you know, it, it happened on February 25th, 2014. That's when everything started to get better. This is why you're so brave because you're very happy to talk about your own journey and failings and wrong turns and right turns and just own it all. And that's a scary thing for anyone to have to do. You've been through an amazing journey. Thank you so much for sharing it with us. I feel like we should do a part two of this episode and <laughs> stop here and then come back next week for more. To be honest, but James, the story does deepen further because I was on your blog last week, Amanda, and there's, there's another coming out. Wait, I need to just take a breath. Hold on a second. <laughs> Let me just take a sip of tea here because this is just becoming ridiculous. I think the phrase you're looking for, James, is you've got to be fucking kidding me. <laughs> 
If natural wellness is your goal, your average CBD oil won't cut it. Next Evo Naturals products use clinically proven smart sorb technology, so you absorb CBD four times better, with 30 times better absorption in the first half hour. And Next Evo is backed by more scientific studies than any other CBD brand. Try Next Evo Naturals capsules, gummies, and creams. Get 20% off your first order of $40 or more at nextevo.com slash podcast with code ACAST. We're back on with Amanda in just a second. First, though, we're delighted to say that the a gay and a non-gay fully customizable pronoun T-shirt is out now. Yes, I'm so excited to see you in one of these gorgeous tees. Dan and I are officially in the fashion industry now. You can customize your T-shirt to your pronoun. You highlight they, them, she, her, he, him, or you can go for all of them. And the idea of the T-shirt is to let everyone around you know your pronouns so you can help all of us feel safe and accepted. It will also tell loads of trans and non-binary friends of ours that they are free to be themselves without prejudice. And my favorite thing about the T is that we've left all the pronouns on the T-shirt. You only highlight the ones you identify with, which means that everyone is visible. Yes, and the T-shirts are out now. There's limited availability, so get there quickly. Uh, head to gaynongay.shop. And 10% of every single T-shirt purchased goes to Mermaids and the amazing work they do with trans kids and families. Go to gaynongay.shop. And now, back to Amanda. Welcome back to Again and Non Gay with Amanda Jete Knox. Alexis, through time and self exploration, has really realized that she's more non binary than anything. I mean, she's still very much comfortable with she, her pronouns. She's also okay with they, them pronouns. She likes her name. Nothing else has changed. Literally, nothing else has changed, but she just sort of had this conversation with us that she's like, you know, when I came out, it was, you know, non binary really wasn't something that was discussed openly. It was very much if you you're trans, you were, you know, I've really learned that I'm, I'm much more kind of, you know, more towards feminine, but more sort of, sort of moving towards the middle, if you want a little bit of that spectrum. And we we're like, okay, cool. Like it was very, it was very, like, like to me, all that matters is, are you happy with who you are? Are you comfortable with who you are? You know, how can we support you? Do you feel safe? Do you feel loved? Because if you have those things, if you have that foundation, you can do literally anything with your life. So, so I just, you know, it really was not a big deal. And I love that it wasn't a big deal. And that's actually the big deal of it is that it just wasn't. I think if we weren't given all these rules by society on who or what we should be, then people wouldn't, well, they, we know they wouldn't need to come out and we wouldn't have any of this. But hearing what Alexis said about not knowing about non-binary back then, it's because these things weren't talked about. And by talking about them, we make everyone safe and comfortable to be themselves. Yeah, that visibility is really important. And we're seeing more of it now. And I love the younger generation because they're just like, yeah, okay, it's not a big deal. You know, I, I mean, and that's not the case everywhere. But at least I know around here, most of the kids that I that I know that I've seen sort of in the schools and what have you, you know, they're they're pretty accepting of their trans peers, non-binary peers. And, and I feel like she can... Go go through her life being herself and being comfortable. And and that makes me so happy. That is the world that I want every trans youth and non-binary youth to to live in. There's a lot of roller coasters here, isn't there? Do you have you ever sort of stopped and gone, wow, how has this all happened to us? I mean, I feel like you're very lucky because of where you've come to and the amount of love 
that you've got in your family. But have you ever had a moment where you're like, what is going on? Like, why is this all happening? You know, I, I don't know if I believe that everything happens for a reason, quote unquote, but this happened to us. We had the ability to tell this story and we had the ability to lead by example. We have the privilege to be able to do it. We have the resources to be able to do it. We have the safety overall um, to be able to do it. Um, so I think that, you know, it's, it's our, it's our duty in a way to make the world as safe as it, as it can be for other people in our situation. Amanda, let's leave by asking you what you would say to someone, either, well, a child or a family member going through a transition right now. Sometimes it feels like the foundation at your feet has just completely blown apart and um, it's okay to feel a little lost and scared in the moment, but just know that what you can build from that rubble can be even more beautiful than what you had before, truly. Amanda, thanks so much. Um, if we ever make it to Ottawa for a gig, you'll be our guest of honor, 100%. Yes. Um, get the book, Love Lives Here. It's out now. Oh, um, I don't want Amanda to go, actually, if I'm honest. <laughs> like, I know that you're going to have to, but there's just something about... I did. I hosted an event in Brighton and a trans mother came up to us. We were live on MTV and she just came up to us and was like, this is my transgender son. He's eight years old. I just want to say how proud of him I am. And I just completely lost everything at that point. It's... It's not as regular as it should be that we that we hear from people like you. So thank you so much for sharing that and inspiring so many others. Thank you. <laughs> okay, I'm going to keep saying thank you. <laughs> oh God, I'm going to go now. Find us on your socials at Gay Non-Gay. Listen at GayNonGay.com or just search Non-Gay on your fave pod app.